The Raw Rugby Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Raw Rugby Podcast, powered by ASICS. I'm Brett McKay. The Rugby World Cup knockout stage has arrived. The first round of post-mortems have begun, of which some will be a lot more detailed and a lot less likely to be released publicly than others. Your place for the biggest and best Rugby World Cup discussion is the raw.com.au, Australia's biggest sporting debate. Great to have Rob Kitson back on the pod last week. Timely to get our heads around England again. Uh, as they were really made to work hard in their final pool match win over Samoa on Saturday. And thanks to everyone who tuned in for the instant reaction to Ireland-Scotland as well. We wondered about how it might how it might go, but we needn't have worried. Um, really strong numbers for what was our first ever reaction pod not featuring the Wallabies. So thank you again to you all. Joining me this and every week, the co-host of the number one rugby podcast in Fiji and Malaysia, and the number two rugby podcast in Hungary and Poland and Sri Lanka and Thailand over the last week, Harry Jones. Hello, mate. How are you going? How's it, Brett? As you know, I always try to match our guests. So I've had bandanas on when people wear bandanas. I've had, uh, you know, chef's jackets. I've had all kinds of things. Today I'm sporting uh, just a simple bald head. Yeah. yeah. And you. It, it turns out you've always had that. I mean, since I was about 14, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Who knew? Who knew? Powered by ASICS, we are. The Raw has in place a great partnership with ASICS, the official performance apparel and footwear supplier for the Wallabies. Uh, And you can still pick up the entire Wallabies 2023 Rugby World Cup playing and training ensemble in store and online at asics.com.au. Hit me with a hero, mate. Ooh, okay. The hero is... um... The, whoever set the game up between Japan and Argentina during the day uh, in brilliant sunlight in Nantes. Yes. Uh, it was such a refreshing sight. It reminded us of the pageantry. I know there were eight tries and there were it was great kicking and a wonderful meters run, equal possession, equal territory. But that wasn't really it. Uh, it wasn't even just the two countries themselves because I don't think of any relationship between Argentina and Japan necessarily. It was just the songs, the joy, the pageantry, the friendship, the passion, the smashing tackles, everyone going for it, the adventure, two hooped teams, red and white, sky blue and white. Mm -hmm. Uh, We fell in love in rugby. We fell in love with rugby, all of us, because of games like these, of days like these, of happy tribes, you know, the final match on Saturday morning between the A-teams. Oh, and Marcus Kramer, who has a face built for falconry. He's my hero for the week. He took that ball right in the mug and just kept on chucking because it's impervious. He did. It's a good shout. It's a good shout. Um, I've got an unpopular zero for you. Uh, My unpopular zeros for you are uh, a Portugal who put me through more stress than I needed (laughs) at 6 o'clock on a Monday morning, let me tell you. Uh, Look, that was a fantastic game against Fiji, the last pool game uh, of the year, of the the tournament. But there was a period there, about eight minutes just after halftime, where – Portugal scored, then Fiji scored, then Portugal scored again, and there was a yellow card, and Australia fans sitting at home going, trying to wake up, going, are, are, are we in? Are we not in? What's going on? Did not need that at that time of day. It at was, this time it of was interesting how Fiji just kept going to the corner and basically saying, territory will win us this match. They, yeah. It didn't seem actually too, too phased, but there was a moment there where I thought, no, you've had a horrible miscalculation. Yes. Yes, and I, I, yeah, and full credit to Portugal. They were absolutely outstanding, and I certainly hope that we get to see a lot more of them in international rugby over the coming years because they were great. They've been great all tournament, and um, and they deserve all the credit that they're getting 
this week. But, mate, let's get into this week's guest, and it is another wonderful returning guest who uh, has quickly established himself as probably the best analyst getting around uh, right now. He's someone get, gets right into the weeds of all the key players uh, during the tournament. The Raw Rugby Podcast. We are still connected to the Pods Paris Studios, where it is our great pleasure to welcome back onto the Raw Rugby Podcast, leading rugby columnist, commentator, exceptional analyst, and this week a very proud Irishman, the one and only Bernard Jackman. Thanks, Brett. Thanks, Harry. Right. I, yeah, I should have. Um, I should have grown a beard. I would have grown a beard if I could. Uh, to uh, for for you, I can't do much about the hair, but um, yeah, uh, uh, next time I'll try and have a little bit of a beard. It we'll does seem like uh, Birch, it does seem like right now the the quintessential hooker look. Yeah, well, Mike Tadger, Mike Tadger, um, what a game he had! Uh, I just like I've watched him play top fourteen and Pro D two, and he, you know he's a, been a real journeyman to be fair. You know, really solid, mm. good pro. But yesterday, in his last ever game for Portugal, himself and Sam, Samuel Marquez just. You know, they led from the front. It was, it was phenomenal. It was an amazing game. Amazing. Yeah. 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 And just so happy for him to win it. And obviously happy for Fiji to, to qualify anyway. So both teams got something out of that game. They absolutely did. And and both of those guys that you mentioned, Bert, probably pl- they played with the knowledge that this was going to be their last international game, but they just played. Yeah. They they showed some fantastic skills. And, and Tadja the hooker is a sort of a late tournament cult hero. You know, it was throwing dummies and kicking downfield and he was playing like he did not care what was happening the next day. No, it was, a, it was amazing. Yeah. yeah, to be fair, the dummy he pulled, I think he was supposed to do around the back, but then his back was too big and his <laughs> arm was too short. <laughs> yeah, he's regathered us. Yeah, no, I look at it. I, I think we all look for, for personalities and characters that we can just, you know, uh, connect with. And, and both those guys... Even if you didn't know them, you watched that match. You, you kind of felt inspired by them, and uh, mm-hmm. they certainly inspired their team. Both, you know, with their with their personalities, but mainly with their actions. They both had phenomenal games, and Marcus getting that last kick to to win it. Um, yeah. yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, no, it was really good. It was really good. How has your has your tournament been so far? You've been uh, busy. You've been you've been in commentary. You've been doing stuff for video and stuff for World Rugby and, and the Rugby World Cup website. You've been popping up everywhere. Yeah, no, I love this. I love this. It's been great, and obviously, it's going to start to. Um, the work is going to get and the focus gets more narrow now uh, yeah. with, with obviously the quarterfinals but I've really enjoyed it obviously location wise for us um, I've been kind of here for weekends and back in Ireland on a, on a, on a Monday, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday right. so I haven't been here um, I, I've never been this is my first Monday being here but I, I, I came out of Marseille from Paris to, to do a World Rugby podcast and yeah, I think it's I think it's been good. I think it's been good. The French who got behind it. Hopefully, the travelling fans have enjoyed it. Certainly, the Irish have. Um, and uh, yeah, there's more coming back. There's more coming back this weekend. I mean, last last week against Scotland was like a home game for Ireland. It was phenomenal. And uh, sixty thousand Irish fans out of seventy eight thousand. And um, I'm sure there's going to be the same this weekend against New Zealand. And if France get knocked out, I think. You know, uh, we would have a home final if if we can get there. But. Um, <laughs> It seems it's, like uh, that's been true throughout the tournament that Irish fans have adopted uh, French ways and French places. I yeah. was in Nantes when it was completely overrun uh, yeah. with green. Yeah. Uh, this may be an ignorant question, but do Irish people in general go to France a lot? Is that something that is a common thing? Because it seems very comfortable. Yeah. I call it the, the start the zombie. It was so yeah. Irish. Yeah, <laughs> yeah look, obviously, like a high percentage of people would. Um, but I would say 
Portugal and Spain may be more popular uh, yeah. for, for summer holidays. But look, at obviously, ease of access, uh, lots of flight options, there's boat, there's ferries. Some people are getting the uh, a plane to London and getting the Eurostar. Um, a lot of people basically start planning this four years out after Japan. Yeah. So that, it was obviously very expensive to go to Japan, but the people who went came back and just spoke so highly of that experience of, of Japan. And I think I know, I know lots of people who basically with their friend group or their family started putting 20, 30 euro away every every month, you know, to have a kitty and, and then got their tickets. And yeah. the, the big thing is, guys, it's very difficult. The Viva's quite small. Um, it's under 50,000 and um, it's obviously very popular. So a lot of the people who are getting to see Ireland in a World Cup struggle to get tickets to see them um, in, in Dublin. Yeah, and that's not, right. uh, it's not saying that tickets are easy to get for here, but Effectively, there was a lottery system. They were sold in in batches online, and, and uh, we we managed to grab a lot of them. Plus, there's a lot of Irish expats living in in France, Germany, Belgium, um, Italy, etc. And they're making their way here, and they're reuniting with their families. You know, I, I've met a couple of dads who are whose sons actually have emigrated, and they're all coming back for a weekend ah, to spend yeah. a weekend together. So, it's kind of unique. To be fair, it's unique. It's, it's like the it's like the invasion of the Irish. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it is. Well, hopefully we keep invading on the pitch as well. <laughs> indeed, indeed. We're, we're still asking the same question every week uh, to kick things off. That is to, to ask you what stood out for you on the weekend. And I can imagine that there was a lot this weekend just gone. Yeah, there was. And I, I was blown away by how good Ireland was. I mean, um, I thought the Ireland-South Africa match was phenomenal. Very interesting game for a game that was 13-8. But there was pressure on Ireland to, to go and qualify, and but to qualify in style. And Whereas our defence was the thing that we I took most note of and pride from from the game against South Africa, I thought our attack was was bang on. Mm. I mean, and lots of variety in our attacks, scoring off set piece, scoring off counter attack, scoring off turnover, scoring through the power game, and against a team who you know really believed they had a chance against us, and we we dealt with it very comfortably. The game was over by half time, so that was that was it. That was it. I, I, Portugal um, for sure. Um, or probably just, I thought the Argentina Japan game was a good game. It was enjoyable, mm. but are they really? Is the level? I think there's a draw. I think the the standard has been a real difference in standard in the group stages yeah. of of the two yeah. big pools. Um, but maybe now it'll level off. Yeah, that's no, a fair point. It is a fair point. Harry, what did you have over the weekend? What stood out for me was actually almost the flip side of what Birch is talking about, which is I always believed in the Irish attack, and I actually wondered what the defense would do uh, on two levels. I mean, three levels, really. One was the line-out, which had been a leaky set piece for Ireland all along. I was even wondering, and I'm going to ask you, Birch, if, if there's a, a real drop there for Ian Henderson to come in in place of James Ryan, or if it really was something about uh, physical. But it seemed like they, they knew how to fix it. And I find that to be very praiseworthy in a tournament, to fix something midstream. Uh, I think Hendo called uh, Peter Armani's n- number a lot. But they moved mm. Peter around. He was actually, you know, revolving in through that. He's he's a very athletic guy, no matter what he looks like. Uh, and then we have, um, I think, I think, I think also the defense to me stepped up in a way because Scotland did actually make a lot of meters. Uh, I think it was one thousand three hundred meters of carry, but it didn't go anywhere. I mean, it didn't go anywhere yeah. until until after it was done. And so that's the lowest gain line percentage in the whole tournament besides Tonga versus the box. So somehow. One of the most attacking teams, Gregor Townsend, uh, Finn Russell, point scoring machine was really cut down to size. I thought the swarming shape of the breakdown uh, by Ireland was 
absolutely next level. My only concern would be, and, and of course, I want to know what what you think, Birch, is is that tiring to make 195 mm. tackles leading into the quarterfinals with your best players, whereas New Zealand and South Africa have rested lots of players? Yeah, look, I think the, the lineups uh, was certainly better, and it was a big, um, big day for or night for Ian Henderson because you know his his stock went up uh, because he called really well. Dan yeah. Sheen came in. Um, obviously, you know yourself, something's not working well. It gets more time that week, and obviously, uh, we actually had two weeks leading into this, uh, or a week and a half, because lads had a few days holiday. So, um, but there's no doubt that Paul O'Connell would have given them their lineup menu before they went away for those three or four days just to be fresh. So, um, that's an advantage. Scotland aren't as good in the air as South Africa, so there's lots of different little things, but more the most important thing is it gives us confidence that we can strike off lineup possession yep. this weekend and, yeah. and that's been a rich a rich source of points for us so that's a big positive i don't believe i think that game was very fast and ireland had mm. to work hard because of the way um scotland play wide wide natural i thought a drop off was more to do with the bench just finding time to settle in we had gibson park on on the on the wing um yeah. etc so we were a little bit disjointed uh, and he gives back was brilliant. I'm just, um, you know, there was a there was a lot of changes at once. Obviously, five forwards came on at once, and they just took him a little while to get up to the speed of the game. Uh, I think we finished strong, so I've no doubt about our fitness. And I think uh, there's a bit of talk about all oh, Irish players have played a lot of minutes, but effectively, they're probably in match eight of this of, of the season. You know, like they were, we're not like you know, you uh, guys are you guys are the end of your season. This is effectively yes, the start yes. of ours. So. And we had a week off after after South Africa. So, really, we played three games. One of them was hard, um, the last one. And then we had a week off. Then we had a game against Scotland, which was fast, but it wasn't really hard. Um, mm. It wasn't like South Africa. And then now we've got, obviously, the All Blacks. And this could be it, or, or we could have another week. So, um, I think Farrell and, the, and has managed it well, given the way the fixtures fell. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a really good point. And we'll certainly come back to... Ireland, Scotland, in a, in, a, in a moment. But um, the standout clip for me for the weekend was Japan lock Amato Fakatava with the comfortable clubhouse leader for the try of the tournament. Here it is here. And now Fafita throws it over the top to Michael Leach. Leach, Japanese legend, looking for support on the outside. Here it comes. Fakatava puts a kick over himself. Great skills from the lock forward. He gets it again. That's not going to get topped this tournament, but you won't find a better try than this. No, it was phenomenal. It was phenomenal. I look, it's um, it's great that a, a Japanese player has will have, probably have that accolade, you know, because obviously they've not they've dropped out, they haven't qualified, yeah. but uh, it was certainly an, an individual moment. And I think they played their part in in that game as well, being a, being a good game, and they went down, they went out with their boots on, you know. So um, yeah, yeah, it was a phenomenal try. I, I, I wrote in my column for the Raw um, for, for Tuesday that, that Argentina had to produce their best performance of the tournament to win that, and they had to do that because Japan produced their best performance of the tournament so far as well. So, yeah, it was a, a phenomenal it try. It made, it made it good that both teams were on an ascending yeah. uh, trajectory. I think you know it's more difficult if you're England or some other team where you're kind of up and down, but I think Argentina got better every single match. Yeah, uh, they definitely did. They're, they're a problem.
going into this. Yeah, no, they definitely did. Um, we we did do a, a instant post mortem after Ireland Scotland um, Bernard and and the the big thing for me and you touched on it there earlier this was that that contest really was done by half time and the the speed was the thing that I noticed about the Ireland attack as soon as they got into not even into the Scotland twenty two it was probably into their forty there was just there was another couple of gears that they went into and and they just they they really ran amuck with the with the Scottish defence in the end. They scored some really really good tries in that in that left corner particularly. Yeah, look at our, our phased attack is is excellent and mm. um, and fairness Scotland had made big strides in their defence um, under Steve Tandy, but they they were really showing up. Um, and they're punished for every error they made. It was seven, it was five or seven points. I mean, that's our support play was was outstanding. So once we made those line breaks, um, we we got through and uh and punished them. So, but I think that Ireland have the capability of doing that. And I think Ireland have been frustrated with with their attack a little bit in August. We were frustrated with their attack against mm. England in the Grand Slam game. So it was perfect timing for us to, to lay down that because I think if there is a weakness in the All Blacks, it's potentially their defense. Um, and we'll have to go after them, and and they'd like to have high ball and play time. We want to have high ball and play time. I know Foster was was throwing um, Razzy like comments about you know yeah. you want to watch you want to watch a game with twenty seven minutes ball to play, which is relevant, which is referencing the South Africa Ireland game. Well, I'll tell you what, I I'd watch twelve minutes ball and play if it's if it's a contest like that. But yeah, uh, but uh, like it's not as if Ireland aren't comfortable. To play high ball and play time, it's actually probably the thing we've we've got to build a reputation on. So, I think there will be opportunities to play, and and it's the it's the work rate off the ball. It's the yeah. you know Mac Hansen, James Lowe, Gibson Park, everybody mm. just getting in position so we can basically outnumber a defensive line. But then it's being able to take the ball to the line, make good decisions on the line, have a good skill set, um, turn defender shoulders in, and then exploit them. Mm. So there's so much happening. Uh, but it comes from having a, a real understanding of how we want to play, high fitness levels and high skill set. Well, and the big difference, Harry, I thought was that this this game there, and, and we've we've touched on it already. The there was just no line out issues. Whereas the early couple of games for Ireland, there was a few little 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 miss like disconnections, if you like, in the line out, and that certainly affected the their set piece attack play. No, it was real, and it was twelve loss. But not all those are lost yeah. because of a hooker. Some of those are a lift that doesn't get there. Some of those are yeah. timing issues. But it was 12 lost total. I think there were like five steals. So what I liked about it is Paul O'Connell took that on and didn't hide from it. I think they mm. went straight at the perceived weakness. And now they go into the quarterfinals, like uh, Birch is saying, with uh, restored confidence. My big takeaway was the precision on second viewing. I mean, instant reactions are yeah. tough because you have no stats. I didn't even know that Mac Hansen was cropping up in the line with James Lowe at the same at the same channel. Yes, uh, yes. I didn't see what was setting uh, Gary Ringrose free so many times. And then I'll, I think, like when I look back on the stats in general. Line breaks leading to tries. Ireland is leading comfortably in the tournament. 54% yeah. of their line breaks are finishing in tries. I think that's always the mark yeah. of a team that's switched on. And the second thing is they're not an offloading team, but the offloads they do try are sticking. So 80% that's... of offloads are sticking, and they're playing wide off those. Yeah. So well, enough... Is that something that's a holdover from Joe Schmidt? I know he, Uncle Joe hated offloads, but something about that has translated into sort of an economical – offload where it's not 
you know, the offloads that don't go somewhere right are, you know, as a fan, you hate those. It seems like Ireland is is picking just the right moments and just the right channels to finish uh, breaks. Yeah, look, Joe was anti-offload, but the game has moved on a little bit in terms of how uh, it's refereed and you could have a very high rook rate uh, and we used to wear teams down. So you probably have the best of both worlds. Our breakdown work is still very, um, very solid. Um, our sport and solid, it's, it's excellent. Uh, our ability to create quick ball is is phenomenal. Our ability to to find the space on a rugby field where that's your run kick or, or pass, and and then when you when you have all those things together, it's easier to get your hands through contact or be dominant on the collision, and then you have support players who are you know flooding through, and it's it's certainly look at it, it's, a, it's a point of difference. I think. When Farrell came in, he realized we're never going to be the biggest team in the world and we need to have our own way of playing. And I think, yeah. you know, we you can't always get it your own way. Sometimes you just got to roll up your sleeves and defend. But um, I thought against Scotland, there was a real clear idea of how we want to attack. I know we defended very well as well, but purely from the most... I, I was happy in our defense against South Africa, so I, I'm more going to concentrate on our attack now. Yeah. Um, and it's multi-layered. Um, and we're, we're different than some teams. So some teams... If they go past, say for example, five phases, they're less likely to score or or, or keep the ball. Um, they run out of ideas. Whereas we, the more phases we play, the more you sense that the defense are getting stretched, yes. and the mistake is going to happen on their part, and something positive is going to happen for us. Yeah, it, it always it's 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 felt for a couple of years now that the that Ireland are prepared to play the patient game yeah. in, in 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 attack, and we certainly saw that on the weekend. Um, Mac Hansen has has come up there. Is he any danger of missing this week? He was sort of done by twenty minutes in. So yeah, it was, was, it, was a, it was a mad one. He went off for a HIA, got passed, came back on, and literally came back on on his calf. Um, they're saying he got a kick in the calf. I I, I don't know. Mm. I thought I thought it was just a. Um, I just thought he pulled up with a calf. So yeah, um, they they fairness they've actually put together put out a positive media medical briefing today which didn't rule out james ryan james Lowe, or mac hansen um whereas the rumor was or the feeling was that james ryan was definitely gone but he's seen a specialist so hopefully like we could do with both those wingers um yeah uh, i think james Lowe's gonna be okay it's just an eye injury um but hansen hansen he got an accidental accidental finger in the eye didn't he in a tackle kaylin doris it was pure bad luck um but it swelled up but i think it's coming down um so look at if if we can have at least one of them wouldn't be too bad, but to lose two would be cruel. Was James yeah. Lowe referring to himself or his teammate when he said, what an idiot? I think he uh, said... I think he was referring <laughs> to his teammate, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what's, the, uh, what's the fingers? Uh, another yeah. thing about that game that I've seen actually is progression to this game, which is the scrum. Uh, Ireland wasn't known as a team that scrummed to the penalty. Uh, they would just get the ball out and go, but they are scrumming, and I think they have 39% of their wins in the scrum are via the penalty, which is the highest, um, and and very little lost. And Andrew Porter, I think, was uh, famously pinged a lot of times a couple of years ago, and he's mm. fixed that. So, what's been the key there? What do you what do you how do you see that scrum set piece getting fixed? And and do you think it's a weapon against New Zealand? I think it needs to be. I think we need to win that battle. I think if you look at how France beat New Zealand, um, they got three scrum penalties in the first half. Ramos kicked them and. It actually helped them get into the game because they weren't New Zealand were a better side in that first half. So um I think we're gonna to have to 
be able to dominate New Zealand in the front five and the scrum being part of that. Um, I don't think we're a really aggressive, powerful scrummaging team, but I think we're giving the referee nice pitchers um, mm, and mm. we've built up a good reputation of being a, a, a team who want to scrum legally, which is uh, half the battle. Um, and it's the opposition who is kind of getting picked for, for trying to be tricky or, or crafty. So um, I think that's where Rath obviously hopefully continues. Uh, you only need to win one or two penalties yep. um, to, uh, in the right areas of the field to, to change the game. So certainly John Fogarty's done a great job with the Irish scrum and uh, they work very hard on it, and, and at the moment it's going okay. Yeah, we, we what you could say, Harry? Sorry, we hear about Paul O'Connell and, and Mike Cat. Uh, you know, who who do you think is the undersung yeah. hero of the coaching uh, staff? Mm. I think uh, John Fogarty. John Fogarty's done a good job, very good job with our scrum. He's a guy I played with in Connacht and Leinster, uh, ex-hooker, and um, yeah, he doesn't get a huge amount of limelight. I, look, he's he's done a great job, but to be fair. I actually think Simon Easterby, um, with our defence, um, it's it's outstanding. And and people talk about the Sean Edwards defence, they talk about the, the Jack Nienabar defence, but I think our defence is actually maybe less risky, um, mm. but equally as hard to break down. And uh, it's been a really impressive part of our of our of our uh, progress over the last two years. Why why less risky? Less of a rush? Yeah, less of a rush, less less kamikaze. They have increased the line speed. I mean, um, we are like Gary Ringrose. Gary Ringrose is, has missed uh, a lot of tackles. Um, if you follow the stats, but if you actually look at those individual misses, theoretically, they've been really good misses. You know, yeah. they've, yes. they've, 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 they've yeah, been so, behind yeah. the game line. Yeah, yeah. Well, absolutely. Yeah. And like he has a license to to go and, and send it back inside or, or or force force a pass back inside where we can mop it up. So I think. Mm. It's still less aggressive and, and basically one in all in that uh, South Africa are. They're the most aggressive. France are probably next, but they're not as crazy as they used to be, as Wales used to be. Um, but Ireland are kind of very high in, in all the key fundamentals, mm. breakdown, spacing, uh, kick, uh, kick coverage, all those things. Ireland are pretty capable in all of them. The effectiveness of that defence and that rush defence, Bernard, was was played out all night because Duan Fundamerva just never saw the ball. That 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 channel and that that method of attack for Scotland just was not there. That's it. And let's be honest, Scotland are probably team one plan, um, yeah. and let's get the ball yeah. to Duan Fundamerva or Darcy Graham or, or Stain when he plays. And Ireland. You know, managed to make sure that very little good ball got there. But then when it did, there was lots of bodies there to, to uh, snuff his his X factor out. And mm. again, that's going to be really important for us this weekend um, that we can actually take um, some of all the All Blacks key key men and, and, mm. and pressurize them. Obviously, teams aren't picked yet, but that was that was really pleasing to see that we took away their strength. Yeah, no doubt. We, we'll get into the quarterfinals uh, next segment, but I wanted to ask you, like. Wales and England both ha had surprisingly tough games to, to finish the pool stage. And I say surprisingly because Samoa had been, I think they've been a little bit disappointing with it was with the promise that they showed and the team, the squad that they put together. But George just seemed to go out, they seemed to go out there to say, we're not getting through, but Wales are going to have to work hard for this. They're, they're really going to have to work hard for this. We, uh, they, they both coped pretty well with it though in the end. Wales, and England. Yeah, I think they did. I think, I think Georgia, Portugal, etc., really improved through this 
tournament. I, I thought yes. I thought Georgia um the their performance against Fiji um on the back of that uh, draw with Portugal was was you know a real reaction and and they were, they were much better. Their defense against Fiji was excellent. Um and then they put it up to Wales. But yeah, Wales and, and obviously England England found a way as well mm. in in the end. Uh, lots of debate around refereeing and things like that. But uh, I think, yeah, it's just hard for us. For us, it's good that they're getting better as the game as the tournament goes on. But also at that stage, you know, there's a bit of fatigue, there's injuries, yeah. they don't have the depth. Um, but yeah, at least they paused, they, they they finished a bit stronger. They definitely they definitely did. We we should touch on um, on on Australia before we get into the the, the quarterfinals um, next next segment. You. You will have been surprised, I'm, I'm guessing, at, at how they just didn't show a lot this this tournament at all. And, and that's obviously been disappointing to watch from our end, but there'd be a disappointment over there as well, I can imagine. Yeah, the, the biggest disappointment is I tipped them to get to the final when Eddie got the job. <laughs> over. I'm just hoping there's no cover, there's no footage of it anywhere. But uh, no, I genuinely, I genuinely thought that they would um, they would have a big World Cup given the draw, mm. given the draw and Eddie the Eddie bounce factor, but didn't happen. Um, and, and you guys know better than I do why, but uh, it is it is disappointing. And I think from a world rugby point of view, like you know, so Fiji have qualified and that's great, but Japan and Australia have dropped off. So yeah. uh, you know, we're no further ahead than we were four years ago, really, um, because we're trying to build depth, we're trying to build contenders, and and realistically, you know, two teams that we well, Australia we always took as granted for granted they'd be there as a, as a as a real top five or six team um, hmm. and Japan, we hoped that they could build on obviously what was a very successful home world cup, but they didn't. And, and now, you know, the power brokers um, in, in world rugby and the power brokers in Japan and in, in Australia are going to have to work out, you know, what's the policy or the strategy over the next four years to, to try and be better at the next world cup. And obviously for you guys, it's a home world cup for, um, for Australia, yeah. you've got a Lions tour. So, <laughs> The, the need is, is urgent. The need to get a plan mm. is urgent. Um, so I suppose it's just a case of getting home and, and making a plan and then implementing it. It'll be a, interesting, Harry, to see how it, how it does play out over the next... The next yeah, there was a real point of pride at an event that we had in Lyon with some, you know, dyed-in-the-wool, real Wallaby supporters from way back. They mentioned that pride they had. There were only four teams that had always got to quarterfinals in every World Cup that they actually played in. Uh, and now there's only three, I think. So, you know, I think, you know, Warren Gatlin took a team and said, let me strip you back to its essence. Let me tell everyone what they're doing. Everyone knew exactly what they were doing. The set piece was immaculate and they got red zone points. Um, and so they won four out of four. Uh, Steve Borthwick went into England with, you know, was probably a pretty limited team. But he took them back to old Leicester Tigers ball. He wasn't yeah. afraid to put a guy like Danny Kerr in, you know, who's the opposite of, the Carter Gordon play, let's put in Danny Kerr, who probably should have 100 caps by now if he hadn't been uh, moved around. So I think mm. the lesson is if let's you're uh, a George short, Ford. Yeah, a short-term yeah. uh, turnaround uh, kind of guy, then I think you need to have a really simple uh, plan. You know, you cannot do the Irish plan. you got to do the other plan. Um, isn't it clear now, though, to, to go to a favorite subject of all rugby, why are we still debating the Ford, Farrell, Marcus, <laughs> I mean, Birch, it's like I'm going crazy. Like at some point, we realize what functions and what doesn't. What, what are they seeing that we don't see? Look, at I think 41 tests together. 
Um, as you're right, we're still not sure. I, the word is, I met some English journalists down in Mar down to the town there, getting a bit of food, and they've obviously they're here from Marseille this weekend, and um, they feel that he'll go back to Farrell, Farrell at ten, and and uh, mm. that George Ford will be left out, and maybe on the, obviously on the bench. But I, I think if you're playing, I think if you're playing Fiji, and you got Tua Sova, Nakalavu um, in the center, I don't know if he if the Farrell Ford. Um, combo is right, and I think Borthwick has been very clear. Yeah, Borthwick has been very cl clear. I actually, it's not right defensively. Maybe from an attacking point of view, having two kickers, and, and England are going to absolutely, you know, puncture this ball with kicks. Uh, <laughs> going like, to kick the shit out of that. Kick fast, stick chase. Hope Fiji yeah. run from too deep, get them at the breakdown, etc. And look, at it's not a bad strategy when you see how Fiji been playing. They've been so loose, making mm. so many errors, and if they make those errors in their own half. Um, you know, knock-ons, uh, etc. Well, England will fancy a chance at scrum time to, to win, win penalties, three points, six points, nine points. So it makes sense. Uh, it makes sense. And it's ideal for Bortwick because that's how he wants to play. So, yeah, maybe there's an element argument to play Farrell and Ford together and have that dual kicking option. But I think from a defensive point of view, um, I think they may be a little bit vulnerable to some of the mm. big hitters from, from, from Fiji. But it's a the way to... The way to avoid that midfield physicality, Harry, is just to not let it come out. Just, yeah. just not go into contact. That's that's, <laughs> yeah. an easy, that's an easy plan, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know, but so I think I would think that Steve's really comfortable with George from the Leicester Leicester Tiger mm. days. Um, I think one one crimp in that plan, of course, is that Fiji scrum is is not the Fiji scrum of old. No, um, if you actually look across some of their stats, they've actually done some some fixes. Um, but no, I was doing a team with a tournament for the Roar, and I, it's hard to avoid jo George Ford's name as a as a ten. It's, I mean, he's in a conversation as mm. Uh, mm. one of the best flowers in the in the tournament, just because there were several game, two games in which he literally won the game for England. Um, it's been a long time since we said that for Owen. Rugby on the Roar. So, Bernard, the quarterfinals are, are set um, and we look forward to them. Um, four cracking games this weekend, uh, Wales and Argentina and then Ireland and New Zealand on Saturday, England, Fiji, France and South Africa to finish it all on the Sunday. Um, with the possible exception of Fiji, I think you, I think we got the quarterfinals that we expected. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah, it wasn't a straightforward, but... Everyone got there in the end, yeah. Were you surprised? No, no surprise is the wrong word. Um, the way Fiji came out, they were always a chance. They were always going to make it tough for Australia to yeah. get through. Yeah, no, absolutely. Look, they actually, I think from a Fijian point of view, they're less impressive as this group has gone on. Um, you know, so they were amazing in the first game against Wales, got all the plaudits, yes. hit crazy numbers, obviously uh but conceded a lot of points and, and lost the game but it got two points out of it then against australia obviously they they won but there was like some crazy some bad line outs and given australia mm -hmm. chances just they're so lucky australia were very very poor um and then against georgia they really looked like they were complacent or uh and then against mm -hmm. portugal portugal had got beaten so how like logically you couldn't back a team to win a quarterfinal, who just got beaten by Portugal in the last game, and that's no disrespect to Portugal, but that's just the reality of it. But um, knowing the Fijians, they can 
brush that off. As far as yeah. they'll wake up this morning and they've qualified, and now they've got England. And I think they're better against, they're much better as underdogs. Um, yes. Uh, and, and I got, yes. look at this. Oh, previous to this World Cup, they never won two games in a row at a World Cup. So, you know, they obviously did that against Georgia, uh, haven't beaten Australia, but then they lost the next game. So they're not the most consistent side in the world by any manner or means. But, wow, you give them a, a challenge. They have the capacity to rise to it. So it's a dangerous game for England. Um, uh, but Fiji have a lot of fixes. And the problem is those fixes are kind of wider uh, wider good, if you understand. So if you go into, yeah. their, into, into their shells, yeah, um, they're not going to be exceptional. So they just need some of those passes to stick, uh, yes. which they haven't, they haven't stuck at all against Georgia or Portugal. So um, it's going to be... It's going to be really interesting. But I, I spoke to Nico Ma, uh, Matavalu today, uh, and he, he, he's, his brother's playing come half, um, and he's close to the team. And he said, "No, no, they're they're ready. They're, they're ready. They're, mm. they're excited by this. And this is a this is a freebie for them. There's, you know, they've done the hard part. They've qualified, and this is basically a free shot." Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. That you know, Fiji likes to be. It's almost like a comedy. A comedian needs a straight man inside the, yeah. the, the show. I feel like, yeah. wait, yeah. Portugal's being the crazy guy here. What am I supposed yeah. to do? <laughs> yeah. um, I think England is just the kind of, you know, all-white team, and I didn't mean that racially, uh, who come in with that kind of baggage of being staid, conservative. And then Fiji gets to be, I'm the crazy guy. And uh, I think that could play to their benefit. The second thing is culturally, Simon Rawalui is, you know, such a culture fit. I think he, he knows his, his guys really well. I think he was well aware of some of the drop-off. It's hard to get a team to be the favorite who's never been the favorite. And Ireland has, mm. you know, one of the greatest things about Ireland right now is they have learned to be the favorite. Um, mm. Even the French are not you know comfortable. With it. No, no, we're not the favorite. So I, I think for Fiji, they come in and just say, how can we rock the boat? Yeah. It's, just, it's just occurred to me, this might be the chance, Harry, that we get to see the – the Fijian alternate kit. Ah, that's beautiful. Yeah, that's that's, that's the kit of the tournament if they get to it. It absolutely that. is. And yeah. we've it's it's been overdue, so it's it's good to see that. Um you're there in Paris, Bernard. Um expect expectation levels going up about the home side now? Uh, in France, yeah, they're France yeah. are in a good place. I mean Anton Dupont got cleared today this morning um to play, so I'd imagine he'll start on Saturday against South Africa. Uh, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to both semi-finals in Paris, quarter-finals in Paris. So, um, two phenomenal games. They were very good against Italy. Obviously, Italy have dropped off, but mm. um, it's kind of been perfect for them. They had a very hard, theoretically they had a hard game to start, hard game to finish. That New Zealand game they won. Then they obviously were average enough against Uruguay, uh, but I think there was an emotional kind of come down from the the highs of Stade de France in the first game, yes. and then. They're very good against Namibia, and the hard game against Italy just never materialized because France ripped them apart. No. So um, I think they're in a in a good place, and it's going to be an incredible game against Africa. It was not unlike Ireland, Scotland. There was expectation yeah. that Italy was really going to push France, and that expectation was done in 15 minutes. They just were not in the same contest in the end. No, it was mad. It was mad. It didn't make um, it. Didn't. It's a big disappointment for Scotland. That's the second World Cup in a row that they've gone out before the quarterfinal stages, but to go out with the manner they did, I don't think anybody saw that coming. Even Ireland, I mean, we we were geared up for a, for a very tough game and it's testament to the quality of our play that it didn't become that. Yeah, Harry? 
I think Pool B is better served by how the pools went. Uh, for all the talk of Pool of Death, I think it was just really good to have that many good teams playing pretty well. Even Tonga was coming up at the end. So I think uh, for me, Ireland and South Africa go in with, uh, I think they have a little bit of an edge. Mm. I think for the French to go from an all-black game and then sort of a free ride, it might be a shock to the system to run into the Bok team um, who won't mind being the bad guys. And it's the only quarterfinal where I'm confident. And you can put it down, Brett, book it. It's a Bok win by at least seven. Um, I, I, have, I have a harder time seeing New Zealand come up as well against Ireland because Ireland's faced two very different teams, Scotland, South Africa, and handled both of those pressures. Uh, and they've and they've also had a very healthy team. Uh, there's something about the SNC in Ireland that's just unbelievable mm. because they seem like they're really fit. Um, I think New Zealand is uh, is a tough it has a tough a tough match, and I think I think Birch, I heard you uh, say earlier another pod that the French may not really enjoy the South African uh, style either. So it, we might be we might have gotten the quarterfinals that we kind of wanted if we're Irish and South African. Mm, yeah, I think I think South Africa's um, way of playing, um, and it's actually going to be even more pragmatic than it was against Ireland. I think. For Razzi, when he reviewed the Ireland match, and we all spoke and looked at brilliant turnovers by Ireland in the outside channels. But Razzi and Razzi were saying, why are we going there? You know, you're bigger, you're stronger, um, you're more physical than them. Don't give them a chance to get you where you don't want to be. Yeah, just, yeah. just run over them and, and play one-out rugby. And uh, and then when, if they do stop you, then put it up in the air and go chase and tackle and counter rook. So I actually think, and that's going to frustrate the hell out of France. Now, part of France's renaissance has been um, a better understanding of how test games are won. Yep. Um, but they also have that X factor um, and ability to, to I suppose, uh, pick up the pace, hurt teams mm. uh, quickly. So that's that's an added advantage that they have. Uh, whereas someone like England, it's very it's very closed, you know, um, so far. They don't have that those moments of brilliance. Um, so it's going to be it's going to be a hell of a game. The atmosphere, I mean, the French crowd, I thought against Italy were phenomenal, and maybe you know I don't know if you saw that clean out, and um, you know for the Italian try and the French crowd totally, yeah, you know got that marked off, and and um, it's very difficult for referees to deal with that hostility and, and pressure. So that's worth probably five points to them, and maybe that five points is enough. But I I, I think South Africa will win that game. I think South Africa will win, yeah, and France will be out. It should be. Which team do you think has held back the most? Like I looked at, and I was surprised at how little your guys have, dri have driven from lineouts. Yeah. Uh, it's almost unused, uh, and I know that that uh, you're defending malls well. So I always think if you can defend them all well, you can run them all well. Um, is there any of that game playing among the All Blacks, the Irish, the French, or the South Africans? You think? Yeah, I think South Africa definitely will go to the mall, but maybe not against France. I think they would regret not doing it against Ireland. Um, and they may do that if we play again. Um, Ireland probably haven't gone through it much. The problem with the mall at the moment is it's so easy for players to creep up the side and, and disrupt it. So a lot of teams are deciding, unless you're significantly stronger there, you're nearly better off playing away from it. Um, mm. But certainly, I think as you get into this knockout stages now, pressure will make teams be more, maybe more risk adverse, and we may see a little bit more of it. Well, we saw. Ireland take three or four quick tap penalties, yeah. didn't we? Yes. Against yes. Scotland. So yeah, that's that's a that's a factor in that as well. I, I think South Africa Harry will play and Bernard, you said 
pragmatic there before. With Pollard back for South Africa, they're going to play the narrowest game they've ever played, surely. They, yeah, they, so, they won't play the width game that they have with with Libok. Yeah, so for three now, for three years now, the Bucs have won the second half of every game. There are mm. very few exceptions to that. They don't really try to win the, the thing in the front. The, the interesting thing about Ireland match was they went wide so much. Uh, mm. It didn't work, uh, and they didn't run any drives in the second half. So I do think you're right, guys. I think it'll be exactly the opposite. They'll want to be there or thereabouts at oranges and then uh, rely on superior athleticism and speed um, to just pick up some scraps, not necessarily yeah, yeah. design something for Chess and Colby or Kurtley Aronsa or Keenan Moody, whoever plays, but just know that there's going to be a spilled ball every now and then because there always is a spilled ball. Um, mm. And I think the French kind of do the same thing, by the way. I don't think they design for Damien Pinot as much as the ball just somehow winds up in Damien Pinot's hands and he runs it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he almost scores tries because he's surprised to get it, isn't he? It's, it's, an, it's an interesting one. Uh, we had a, a great question on, on Twitter, um, Bernard, a shout-out to, um, to to John Corbett, who said he would be interested to hear our takes on which referees are in pole position for the semifinals and the final. And at the point that we record this, they haven't yet been appointed for, um, for the quarterfinals even. So... Who has impressed you so far? And I think we can actually leave TMOs out of this because they've been largely unimpressive. But I think, generally speaking, the refereeing has actually been quite good. Yeah, I think I think it's been good. I think it's been okay. Um, I've no strong. I, I'd rather see them now under pressure this weekend. To be fair, mm. um, this is this is their trial. You know, um, yeah, they, yeah, they they can make or break um, their chances of getting to a final based on on a big. Bigger bad quarterfinal, so no, I, I'm 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 still waiting to to, to make my call there. <laughs> Very diplomatic, Harry. Well, you know, I'm trying to make a resolution not to speak of referees you by have. name and yeah. keep them less famous. Uh, kind so of why I wanted to ask the question, but I do like that handsome guy from New Zealand, and I think the handsome guy from Georgia as well. Um, both of those, <laughs> I think maybe we just go for looks and have a good you know presentation for the world on a, on the world stage. But I do want to ask you, Birch, were you ever able to do a clearance kick like um, that? <laughs> were you trusted with a clearance kick from the 22? Off my right and off my left foot, and then I woke up. And then I woke up. And then I woke up. <laughs> what, what about a tap-and-go? Were you a tap-and-go guy? Yeah, I took quick taps, to be fair. But I um, didn't really go anywhere. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I wasn't uh, I was sure. Back in the day, back in the day, um, like anyone could, you know, if you felt you needed to quicking the game up you could you could take a tap whereas now it's more i actually feel sorry it's nearly always the hooker who takes those quick taps close in yes. and the first one is just you know it's, just getting it's, mullered yeah it's like a it's suicide just, mission yeah like kamikaze just, yeah. yeah yeah you see you see dan sheen standing yeah. there going all right we're gonna do this quick tap yeah. and i'm gonna yeah. come out of this ruck an inch shorter exactly it's, because it's, he just it's, gets pounded doesn't he it, it's, just gets uh, completely pounded. It's horrendous horrendous but on that on yeah. that tap and go i mean it's always seemed like the better way to retain possession and launch on you know to set a set a target and go again but do you like tap and goes where they actually play off the tap like the nine takes the tap and and spreads yeah. it like sevens, or do you like the the smash? You know, no. I think Ireland. I think I think Ireland. Obviously, the team I see the most have really good variations on all of them. Um, so if you saw the weekend, they wanted to play that late sweep back, but it got referee gone away. Um, yes. I know, like it's fine, but uh, there has been plenty of variations. So I love I love to see that. I love to see that. I saw some of the URC with the Bulls. 
um, uh, yeah. initially. Um, so yeah, that's it's like kind of going back to the old days with the wall. Um, but the good teams are putting little angles and little slants on on those quick taps. Yeah, yeah. Who do you like from here, Bernard? Who who do you think we're you're seeing go through to the semi-finals next weekend? I'm going for Ireland, South Africa from that side. I fancied Ireland for the last two months, but that, that South Africa match. Oh, I actually kind of think South Africa now would beat us if we played us in the final. Um, they were they have so much. I know people say, "Oh, Ireland can fix the line out." Absolutely, we can. Mm. But I don't know. I think they had they overplayed. They went seven one, didn't work. They had no goal kicker. Um, they lost a couple of key lineouts, you know, with because they didn't have a sub hooker on, and, and they may have one. They may have a proper sub hooker by the by the final. Yeah, I don't know. Look at our, our team are growing. Um, it's going to be hard to get there, but if. Obviously, we'd have a great mm. chance, but I think South Africa will win it. Who gets through the other semi-final? Um, I think England beat Fiji, and I think Wales beat Argentina. So it's going to be a big one for the Northern Hemisphere, I think. Yeah, obviously, mm. it's the first time Northern Hemisphere have topped four pools. Um, but really, that won't matter. If a Southern Hemisphere team wins, wins the World Cup, that's the that's the only real um, stat yeah. that matters. No. So, um, yeah, I, I think... I think Fiji and, and Argentina will um, will, slip, will go, yeah. go out soon. Look, Bernard, it's been fantastic to have you back on. Uh, we know you're you know you're a busy guy at the moment, so we, we thank you for finding some time for us. You're welcome. Uh, there there in Paris, it's been great to chat to you as always. Uh, do try and enjoy these last couple of weeks. There'll be a bit of stress yeah, involved, I'm sure, but but you'll enjoy it. Oh, look, it's a privilege to yeah. privilege to be over here, and um, no, I'm uh, I'm loving it. Good luck, yeah, Bernard. See guys. you there on Sunday. I'll buy you a beer. Oh yeah, cool. Harry, fantastic to have Bernard Jackman back on. And he has been everywhere on the the world feed and on commentary, the, the world the world rugby videos he's doing for the for the uh, for the rugby world cup site. Uh, just fantastic for him to find a bit of time for us. Yeah, I love so I love the uh, the diversity we have with our guests, and I always thought, yeah. you know, from the from the beginning, you know, guys like Birch or like Jonathan Kaplan, the referee, can really get into the technique of the game, like really yes. detailed. And I yes. know some of our listeners yes. really love that. I always find that Birch is ready, armed, uh, thoughtful, and he didn't disappoint uh, today, no. did he? I mean, he came no. armed with. Uh, serious uh serious thought about it and what i like about it is um the game within the game it's really fun to rip up the line yeah. out scrums and the and all the tactics absolutely absolutely and, and it will be fascinating to see how these quarterfinals play out this week which we've just gone through and i'm not sure that i can disagree with him about who gets through to the semi-finals either i, I agree with him except for argentina i i, I think before their tournament, I, I thought they had the, the highest ceiling, uh, and I think Wales, mm. I think Wales has has reached their ceiling or close there too. Um, but I just feel like Argentina has another gear, and I'm liking I'm liking what I'm seeing from uh, Michael Checker's team. It'll be interesting to see where Pablo Matera is up to, True. because they yeah. they did miss him for the last hour or so. They just weren't quite the same at the breakdown without him. So um, he'll be a He'll be he'll be a big miss if he if he misses that uh, the quarterfinals. Some news of the last seven days, um, mate. Marika Corbetti has apparently played his last test for the Wallabies, uh, according to Pone Farmacilli at the very least. Um, the big Melbourne Rebels prop just sort of casually mentioned 
the significance of the Portugal game on Wide World of Sport in Australia last weekend. He, he just said we had slips. He's reached the most tests of the World Cup, and and Marika, it's his last test. I think he's retiring from Test footy, and he went on to say that Conor Betty has spoken to Eddie Jones before the last pool game, but it's not been announced formally yet. And interestingly, it's sort of not been denied either. I don't know. Smoke and mirrors right now in Wallaby Land. It's all murky. Yeah. I would like just one clear thing to emerge from Wallaby Land right now. Yeah, well, on that topic, it also took a good while to be announced that the knee injuries suffered before and during the Portugal game would have ended the Rugby World Cup campaigns of Carter Gordon and Nick Frost. Gordon actually flew home Wednesday last week and and, and Nick Frost um, wouldn't have played a quarterfinal if they, if they got through. So, but Eddie Jones said as much post-match and after the after the Portugal game that they were both out. It wasn't formally announced till Thursday. So I don't know. I don't know what's going on on there. You saw Scott Robinson in Paris last time you were over there. Well, late last week, former All Black turned commentator Justin Marshall made the extraordinary claim that the next All Blacks coach, Scott Robinson, has been shut out of the team's World Cup games in, in case he's too much of a distraction for the players. He's been told not to go. And I've got to say, I could kind of believe that. Yeah, and just to be clear, I saw him in Marseille and he was going down some stairs with the largest suitcase I have ever seen. <laughs> I, I wondered if there was a person inside it. Uh, you know, I, I didn't know. Like, who knows? Like, the mystery all black. Um, yeah. But it was unbelievable to see him struggle with that suitcase. Uh, I, I said hello to him and he acted like he was... Uh, very disturbed that someone had recognised him and he kept going down the staircase. <laughs> <laughs> you, you tried to sell it to to me and, and, and our mates on our chat group as I just had a chat with Scott Robinson and then you actually revealed later that it was the extent of it was Razor and he turned around and went, hey, and that was it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, that was it. Yeah, It was like Eddie's uh, interview with Japan. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, but how how long was his second one? Uh, England bought Sam Underhill in to replace the Jack Willis, and that's not a bad that's not a bad shout. I think in the end they'll they'll, yeah. they'll get something out of that. Away from the World Cup, um, Harlequins lost their preseason game to the Barbarians at, at the stoop over the weekend, fifty to twenty one. There, the Barbars got up. There were fourteen Australian players in. Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. That's the, that's the yeah. world. good story right there. I have seen it suggested that would the current Barbars beat the current Wallabies, and that's sort of a question I don't really want to contemplate much more than that. Uh, the Brumbies beat Suntory 31-24 in Sapporo on Saturday. They then they'll come down to Tokyo this weekend, coming to play the Rico Black Rams. Uh, the Western Force lost their fourth game of their their Toyota Challenge series against the Cheetahs, 32-22, and um, and again these these pre-season, post-season games that are going on at the moment, but they all get lots out of those games. And and um, it, it is actually good to see, talk about the Barbarians again, so many of those Australian guys who have actually finished the season off on a high. So it'll be fascinating now to see how clean the slate is in 2024 because a lot of those guys should still be playing Test Rugby and they shouldn't be being discarded completely. So we'll see how that all plays out. Um, the Raw Rugby Podcast will continue to have you covered throughout the tournament from from here. Harry and I will be back here midweek, of course, having great rugby conversations with more wonderful guests um, and instant reactions between us and Tony and Christy as well through the quarterfinals and the semifinals. So, so do tune in from there and do tune in as well to 
Tony and Christy reporting in from uh, from France. So check out the Raw and the socials to see when they pop up next. We had another great review, mate, um, from uh, from Lofgo, uh last week who said, uh, thanks, guys, really enjoying the pod, but what's wrong with Adelaide? Regards from an Irishman in Adelaide. It's <laughs> a question that we put to them last week. Um, and thanks to everyone as well who has left some... Um, really lovely comments over on YouTube as well. And if for some strange reason you actually want to see us in action, you can find the podcast in video form on the Raw's YouTube channel as well. So do go and check it out. That is us, though, done, mate, for episode 83 of the Raw Rugby Podcast, powered by ASICS. Don't forget Harry and I are both on the socials. Um, and do leave the ratings and reviews and all of those if you can, uh, if your pod platform allows it. We've got so many. I think we're, we've maintained basically a 4.9 average across Spotify and Apple and, and all that now, which we it's can't really complain about. If it's 5.0, no one believes it. You know? Yeah, yeah. And it's at about it's about 190 or 200 ratings and reviews as well. So it's a pretty fair body of work um, now. So do like, follow, subscribe. Um, on all those platforms and make sure that you see every new episode however you want to see it as soon as it goes live but it is the raw rugby podcast with me brett mckay and harry jones every week on the raw.com.au australia's biggest sporting debate home of all your favorite international rugby analysis opinions and conversations it's all thanks to asics the official performance apparel and footwear partner of the Wallabies. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in your ears next weekend with the instant reactions to the quarterfinals of Rugby World Cup 2023. Come sing your anthem at a match in which your team is playing, even if you're the host, with us.